0: Today, we'll be debating our favorite movies of 1993, and we'll be discussing anosmia, which is the inability to smell. This is Doctor vs. Comedian. I'm Dr. Asapogia, and this is the Doctor of Laps. Not a real doctor. Ali Hassan every episode i pick a topic for Ali from comedy and entertainment and i question him about it then Ali picks a topic for medicine and health and grills me on that topic today ollie and i will debate our favorite movies from 1993 and we'll discuss the inability to smell aka Osmia, which ollie keeps wanting to call insomnia which is another topic for another podcast exactly another date Okay, Ali. We don't got a lot of time here. We're going to get right into our first topic today: top movies of 1993.
1: Well, let me first start by saying I hate you very much for this mm. exercise. Yeah, there's too much. There's too much. He mu- says
0: that, that every day when he works out.
1: <laughs> what the heck does that mean? There's too much muscle on this body. <laughs> you could put, you could put pictures of every movie from uh, 1993 up and just throw a dart and just no. nine out of 10 chance. You're going to watch an amazing movie for the rest of, I don't know, the next six months. It's crazy. Yeah. Man. What an
0: insane year in movie making. It was, it was come it's a crazy. Year. You won't believe it when we tell you the movies that came out. this I, year. Don't look it
1: up. Make us uh, surprise you.
0: Yeah. Also, so, there's a
1: risk that you and I have the same top 10, we, which was. We
0: suck. might. I don't think we will. With actually, but m- we'll music, see.
1: we've often disagreed.
0: Yeah, we'll see. So we will get into 1993 in a second. Of course, it's 30 years ago that 1993 was.
1: Oh, is that the significance? Weird
0: way of phrasing that in a Yoda way. But yeah, and I was actually going to do 1983 first because I realized we never talked about two of the biggest movies from 1983, which would be Scarface and Return of the Jedi. Two of my favorite movies. Now, E.T. was uh, the year before
1: that? I don't know. I just threw it up there. So
0: but then I was like looking at, you know what else came out in eighty three. it's it's kind of slim pickings for eighty three after that, like trading places. I know we both like trading places, strange brew. These are so there's some good things to talk about. But then afterwards, like Mr. Mom, Never Say Never Again and Octopussy both came out at the same time.
1: That's know. top five. That's not top ten. And also the risk there is you just have me doing Scarface impersonations
0: the entire episode. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So maybe we'll do a separate episode on Scarface. But 93 is great. And so what we're going to do, we're going to give you guys our top movies of 1993. We'll go in reverse order. Remember, I have to explain this to Ali every time we do this. So he will Ah, uh, let, it go, 10, let it go. Let it go.
1: Another Quaalude. She's going to love me again. Oh, so you now don't have he's still up this us. time. Scar-
0: yeah. Scarface. I'm gonna list you guys some movies that came out that year that are not on our list. That's how good of a year this was. Okay. We're talking the three Musketeers movie, which I don't remember too much about except they had that Brian song Adams thing and Everything I do. No, that was was that from that? Oh no, no, that was don't from you Remember Robin one Musketeer
1: gets down on one knee and sings that to the other Musketeer? <laughs>
0: anyway okay, that never happened that's probably on. not the right song that's probably not, the, not right the right song, song. that's it's a different all, movie no it's all for love who was it again it was Sting it was Brian Adams and Mariah Carey
1: Celine Dion
0: Rascal and rod flag. stewart rod, rod stewart. stewart i just like rod stewart seems a bit out of place there but he was cool back then so okay that came out mrs doubtfire i mean one of our favorite movies of people's childhood phenomenal acting you yeah. know
1: robin williams williams and, uh, yeah amazing
0: and, and one of the ironic things about that movie is ironic is that he is actually a jerk in it <laughs> he's not the bad person pierce brosnan is like actually a responsible, normal human. And Sally Field is as well. And he's the one who has the issue you know, impersonating Mrs. Doubtfire. But uh, great movie. The Piano came out that year. I really like The Piano. I don't really like Jane Campion's movies that much, but we talked about that before. But, you know, Oscar winning. Philadelphia, again, I think Philadelphia was just an okay movie. I think it was a bit overrated, but again, Tom Hanks won the Oscar. I mean, film.
1: it spoke to a time though, man. You know, yeah. This... Massive demographic of people who knew people who died of AIDS Mm -hmm. and close to people who didn't get any, they got nothing. There was no fanfare. There was nothing to celebrate their lives outside the gay community. So I think you got to put Philadelphia in that context as well. It meant a lot for for the time.
0: Yeah. Other ones, Army of Darkness, El Mariachi. El Mariachi, this is Robert Rodriguez's first movie made it for like a few thousand dollars and mm-hmm. kind of launched his career. The Crying Game also came up. Oh, I can't he- believe movies. <laughs>
1: I can't think of it without giggling for some
0: reason. Yeah, the Crying Game, I'm not I, I thought it was a really good movie when it came out. I'm not sure it holds up. There's the twist that probably people know it's a movie that's 30 years it old. It will not hold and, up. And, and I, I was not mature probably, enough at the time. Just. And I think it's probably just transphobic now, I think. So I don't know. Probably. Oh, probably, yeah. Probably. Yeah. yeah. So I don't I I I'm not sure that deserves a rewatch, but I think CB4, you know, C B four with Chris Ross. Sure, man. That's
1: like we we found out about Chris Rock and his acting ability through C B four. I mean it's a bit more it's it's a bit like more outrageous, but I was one of the few people not surprised during New Jack City. I mean this guy this guy has like some serious, serious Yeah,
0: yeah, he, he can he can act. No, it was funny. Um great movie. Also, indecent proposal. Everybody remembers indecent proposal. Also makes me go, hee hee hee. Yeah. Woody Harrelson, Demi Moore. It was an indecent proposal, everybody, was from Robert Redford. Anyway, that movie, it was the idea of that movie is much better than the movie itself, but well directed yeah. by Adrian Lin. What else? We got Dave about the president, right? Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein. My neighbor Torturo, which is Miyazaki. Am I saying his name right? Is a yeah, with uh, Miyazaki, one of his, you know, this is guy's a Japanese animator of great renown. What's Love Got to Do With It? We've talked about that before with Tina Turner. What? Didn't make my no. list. Yeah. My list. In the Line of Fire, Clint Eastwood. Dazed and Confused, also not on my list, but again, a classic movie for everyone. And one that I think did not make either of our lists, but probably, should. it was very close to mine, which is Menace to Society, Hughes Brothers. Mm, that is a good movie did not make the list and then i have a couple more that i don't think made Ali's honorable mention. so alive that's the story of that soccer team yeah, that, was awesome that, I mean, that was a was pretty powerful movie that was a great yeah. movie that was great a dragon the bruce lee story about bruce lee's life oh. hard target which is john claude van damme and john woo mm-hmm. together at last and <laughs> judgment night do you remember judgment night
1: Judgment Night was awesome. I have the soundtrack. I have the, the soundtrack. soundtrack the to
0: Judgment Night. Oh, I love that soundtrack. I think the soundtrack is probably better than the movie. So the movie's a bit like you know these guys going to a, in an RV, going to a, a football game, get lost in the projects basically of Chicago, yeah. and get terrorized by the inner city gangs, which. Is a quite a bit of racism in that, even though there are black people in the RV as well who are, are who got lost in, in the inner city. But I don't know if it would hold up now. But that soundtrack, man, that is a great soundtrack.
1: There's a few other movies that I don't think are on your list. I'm going to take a chance here. Okay. Remains of the Day. No, did not no. make the list. Right, Anthony Hopkins and yeah. uh, Emma Thompson. Yeah. Uh, Much ado about
0: nothing. Awesome. Yeah, no, no, did did not make the list. Listen. These are, Two this very is not something news.
1: that I'm particularly. But look, Keanu Reeves, Denzel Washington, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Michael Keaton, Emma Thompson again, uh, just a, a bunch of like phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenneth mm-hmm. Branagh, and then I'm going to say another one that I don't know if it made your list or not, but mm-hmm. uh,
0: Grumpy Old Men did not make the no. list. I never seen that Grumpy
1: one. Old Men is, is good entertainment for the time for the time.
0: So you can imagine we listed like 30 movies just now that didn't even make our list but all came out in nineteen ninety three. Oh, it oh. is a crazy and
1: yeah and yeah Janet Jackson poetic justice did it make your list
0: no it didn't poetic justice i love higher learning and i love there you go boys in the hood yeah this was a bit of the middle movie between those two that was not quite my favorite from singleton so didn't make my list but it's worth talking about tupac's in it obviously so jan jackson so they're worth talking about but not on my list yeah see it's just crazy it it was it was unbelievable year and a lot of these. I'll just preface this by saying these are movies that were my favorite. Are they the best movie there? They were the most entertaining for me. That's how mm-hmm. I'm going by this. I'm going I'm...
1: by acting. I'm going by quality of acting. Really? That's, okay. Yeah,
0: with the exception of one or two, I, it's mostly acting. Very interesting. Okay, let's start off. Ali,
1: watch you do your number ten. My number ten. Oh God, this is tough. These could all be like ones. Yeah. If I'm being yeah, honest right with now that. for
0: right now uh, when we're recording this, what is your number
1: ten? I'm going to say Carlito's Way is number ten for me.
0: Yes. Okay, keep going. I won't say anything.
1: Oh, do I keep going throughout? I do my all my... No, my no, no,
0: you could just tell me, like, Carlito's... I'll just tell you. It's my number 10 as well. Oh, my God! You're kidding! Yeah, it's insane. Exactly. Okay. It is Car- a fun movie. Brian De Palma, right? Al Pacino. And, of course, I, and I was re- rethinking about it the other day, is that performance by Sean Penn as, as his lawyer, the curly-haired lawyer. Yeah, like,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. We, it took you a while to be like, wait a minute, I know this who guy. Who is that? Yeah. He was phenomenal. and And also... I'm surprised you're not mentioning Benny Blanco from the Bronx. John Leguizamo did an amazing job in that movie. Yeah, despicable- yeah, yeah.
0: It despicable. was actually one of my first times seeing John Leguizamo on the ah, screen. Oh, okay, okay. And okay. so, yeah, it is a great, great movie. And one that we don't remember as much in terms of Al Pacino's movies, but we probably should think about it a bit more. So that's really funny. We both picked that for number 10. Okay, what about number nine? What it's if not funny if our scene? next nine are also know, the exact same. That's not that funny. Okay, you go
1: ahead. Number nine for me is Blood In, Blood Out. Is it on your list?
0: No. Do
1: you know the movie, Blood In, Blood Out? I don't think so. Oh, man, you're crazy. Do you know what Blood In, Blood Out
0: means? Uh, <laughs> no, you better tell me. Is it about I better vampires? tell you.
1: I'm very disappointed in you, Asif. It's like it's gang life, like to get into the gang. Oh. Blood, your blood has yeah. to shed. You have to kill yeah, yeah, somebody yeah. to get in. Right. And the only way to get out is if you die. Like, blood is, you're you're in the gang now forever. Gang life, yeah. you know, for life. Yeah. You don't know the saying, vatos locos forever, man? You don't know vatos locos? Anyway, listen, there is a bunch of people, there are a bunch of people in this movie, pardon my terrible grammar, that we don't know as well. They didn't have as big careers. But Benjamin Bratt, was Sean in this thing. And then Billy Bob Thornton was also in it. And oh. it's, I wonder if that sticks up, but it was a beautiful story. It was a crazy, crazy, powerfully, it's like an Epic crime drama is what they call it. You know, in the Mexican American community cult classic film in and out of prison spanning a few decades. It's, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm surprised you haven't seen it, and I'm I'm saddened, and I'm uh, I'm looking for a new
0: call. Yeah, so I, you know, well, well uh, Benjamin Brad is going to actually come up again, which is You're crazy because at this time he was not that big of yeah you know, no, of a no movie exactly, star. and so but he's going to come up in a, in a in a couple movies for me. But my number nine is Malice, which is Alec Baldwin and Nicole Kidman and uh, the late Bill Pullman. You know this movie I'm talking about? Is movie?
1: that the one where he goes, You think I have a God problem? I am God. I
0: am God. Exactly. Yes. This is yes. the most famous uh, quote. Alec Baldwin plays a surgeon who's accused of having this God complex, and uh, that's part of it. And he basically moves in uh, through various circumstances with a couple. Who are played by Nicole Kidman and Bill Pullman? It is a kind of noir thriller. There's a lot of twists and turns. You probably won't see the uh, ending coming. I just thought it was a great movie. It, it it's pulpy. It's kind of like a so bad is good type thing. But I really enjoyed it. And a lot of my movies are like that. So if you guys haven't seen this, this is a good one to just you know put on if you can find it on streaming or something. It's 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 a lot of fun.
1: Yep. Number eight for me is Cool Runnings, mm-hmm. which I'm sure is coming up for you. John Candy's final film or the the final film released in his lifetime in any case just like a really lighthearted fun film another like there's so many true stories in, in 1993 as I did the research the fact that it was based on a true story it was like really like feel good good comedy and a good cast we were introduced to some actors that we didn't know previously it was originally intended to be like a different type of film, more like a sports drama. Yeah. 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 And then whoever the uh, directors were, they bailed and the new director who came in, in the end, John Turtletaub,
0: Mm -hmm. he
1: came in and he, he changed the, uh, the energy of it and the, the tone, which makes so much more sense for, you know, to, to have. uh, Yeah. For
0: that, for the topic. So, uh, my wife is going to kill me. It's one of her favorite movies ever. Not on my list at all. Oh, Oh, hello, really? Yes. Now, at least your
1: wife's going to kill you. That makes us feel. Well, she's
0: a lot, probably yeah. going to kill me because this is on my list instead. And I'm talking Cliffhanger 1993, oh, Sylvester man. Stallone.
1: You know what? I'll be honest with you. As far as entertainment value, that would be like number 11. Like that just barely is not on my list. Listen, Cliffhanger was a phenomenally entertaining movie. It I give is you full respect super for that.
0: entertaining. John Lithgow playing the bad guy. I wanted and... to
1: hate you. I wanted to be. Yeah. I wanted to have your wife's back. It is John Lithgow. Oh my god, that's like, I John Lithgow was such a a master at playing these evil psychopaths that it took me. A full season to adjust to him on, uh, th- what was it, Third, Third Rock, Rock the
0: from the Sun? Yeah. I couldn't
1: get used to him on Third oh. Rock because of movies just like this. He was amazing.
0: Exactly. And then in Dexter, he becomes a psychopath again in season four oh, of Dexter. Oh, thank God. So it's good he's then then the you had to get through. used to that again. Anyway, he is great. Stallone's, this is like a great Stallone movie that a lot of people may not have seen. Another one's coming up later, though. Bro. So, other than the Rocky movies and Copland, you know, this is really yes. a, just a great movie. Agreed. Agreed. That's uh, my number eight. Okay,
1: that's a great choice. My number seven, which honestly, if not for Val Kilmer, the stories I've heard about him being such a horrific human being, it probably would have been up higher. But Tombstone is my number seven. I was affected by the stories I heard by people who I really like. So that aside, great film. He plays Val Kilmer is just phenomenal in this movie. I'll be your, I'll be your Huckleberry. What is it? Mm-hmm, the
0: exactly. Yeah,
1: it, it's like. I just supremely entertaining and engaging as a film. I'll go watch it again tomorrow. I guess I'm back on the Val Kilmer train. I'm back, baby. It's
0: like I never left. I will comment about that slightly later. Sure. Number seven, I cheated here. It's a tie. Oh, gross. Two very similar movies that came out at the same time. True Romance and California. California. Jesus Christ,
1: Asif. I have both of those not taking, tied on my list. I was
0: taking two of these. I won't talk too much about this, but True Romance, of course, was based on a screenplay by Quentin Tarantino and then made by Tony Scott. So you got these two kind of visions colliding together. It's great. Of course, it has a breakout performance by Brad Pitt. And Brad Pitt is also in California with uh, David Duchovny, uh, Juliette Lewis, Michelle Forbes, about this journalist couple who's researching serial killers and then meets this other couple played by brad pitt and julia lewis who have issues and then you watch these two movies together you're like oh that's why brad pitt is a super superstar i hadn't seen them and louise before this i just saw these two in this year and i'm like yeah this is it so just for that reason alone these two are on my list
1: yeah well you suck because my number six is california and it's it's some of the best acting I had seen in my life at the time. Like I didn't even know anything about what it meant to be an actor, but some, some of the, the silent looks that Brad Pitt will give David Duchovny. And, um, what was Brad Pitt's name? Juliette Lewis had this Southern accent that she would say his name in. Um, uh, give me a second here. Early, early, early. I mean that it, it, Borderline haunted me for months after watching it. I just felt like they were phenomenally good. There's not too many movies. It should be higher on my list, but anyway, it's really, really something special. And I didn't know David Duchovny's work either. I thought he played such a good like what do you, what what do you call that stereotype? Like he was just kind of like this, um, yeah, like a noob. You know, you know clear-eyed, like, yeah, green yeah, behind yeah, the ears. Yeah. Yeah. A noob. He was a total didn't noob it, photographer right? or photojournalist <laughs> or whatever he was. And, no, that is an awesome movie. Oh, uh, god, it was such a good movie. So I and and that for me, I was like exactly. Oh, this Brad totally. Pitt guy. I'll watch anything he does. I have to. I have to keep watching. Yeah. So that's my yeah, number sorry, six. Which the I so my next on, one
0: is another Stallone this movie. One. This is the second one that came out this year, and is Demolition Man. Demolition Man is a great movie. With mm, I mean, the yep. performances are over the top on purpose in this movie it's stallone wesley snipes sandra bullock and benjamin brown i told you he was going to come back again the plot of this is it's so ridiculous stallone uh is a cop in 1996 chasing a killer uh played by wesley snipes and they both kind of get caught and because they the the cop uses kind of very um you know illegal means to capture them. They both get frozen in this cryogenic status and then they have to be um, for various reasons get defrosted in 2032 and let's just say the the city the city occurs in San Angeles which is a uh, made up city obviously in the future there, there are so many funny things in it. It's much much funnier than you think it's going to be. Uh, it's just a ton of fun.
1: Yeah it's the it's the least dark dark But Like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's really good entertainment. And the funniest thing is that 2032 is nine years away. I guess (laughs) we're not going to get the flying cars. eh?
0: You never know. Okay. My number number five, five.
1: a bit of a a deviation for me, although ladies know me as a romantic, so maybe this is on brand. Uh, Sleepless in Seattle is my number, but I just, I don't know. Like I was, I was, uh, I, I was not mature enough to, um, Mm-hmm. I watched romantic comedies because some girl I was dating wanted to watch one. That's I was, I was just too macho to allow movies like this into my life. And then this was the movie that changed that. I was like, oh, no, that's not how this works. If you have Rob Reiner mm-hmm. at the helm mm-hmm. and you have great actors and a good story, you have... A, a a very entertaining movie. And I really liked Sleepless in Seattle. I thought it was, it's, it started a genre too, right? It really started.
0: Yeah. I think you're thinking of when Harry Sally, right? But yeah, Rob Reiner's in the movie. Dude, Rob
1: Reiner's his friend in the movie. That's why I'm, uh, yes.
0: It's not on my list, but I totally don't fault you for including it on your list. Thanks bro. My number five is Tombstone. As you mentioned before, this is the story of uh, Wyatt Earp and um, the um, big gunfight that occurs. It's, uh, listen, I, everything you said about it is true. It's amazing. Val Kilmer came out as a huge star after this. That's how he got the Batman movies was after this. I know he has been reported to be difficult to work with afterwards. Now he's actually quite sick as you guys probably saw when he was in Top Gun Maverick. So, uh, you know, I think he's, you know, things are kind of, unfortunately not looking too good for him, but it's a cult classic movie. Just so much fun. I can't say anything else about it. It was great.
1: Number four, and this I also struggled with because of uh, who's in it, but Six Degrees of Separation. That's like an acting master class. It's truly, truly, I mean, I couldn't watch it now if I hadn't already seen it. I've seen it a few times because of the fact that it was, I'm done with Will Smith for a while. I need to take a long break from him. But if you can put that aside... Mm -hmm. You will be, I mean, you're, you're. it's truly, I don't know how else to describe it other than a masterclass. It's Stalker Channing, Donald Sutherland, and Will Smith. It's basically the three of them. You'll see there's a cast of other people. They're, they're not relevant to, I mean, this is really these three. You feel like you're watching a three-person play. The acting is amazing. Uh, have you seen it, by the way, Austin?
0: You know what? I haven't seen it.
1: I am ashamed to know you but I won't say too much then I just want you when you can to watch this acting Will Smith was was. I mean, is 1993 man this is like we didn't fully know about his acting talents and in my mind it's this movie and that one episode why doesn't he, why didn't he, why doesn't he love me, Uncle Phil? Yeah.
0: Why yeah. doesn't he love me? I know, because that convinces you, he, like, Will Smith is more than just a comedic actor. This is based on a play, by the way. So I knew all about this movie when it came out, obviously, and I, I remember the, the critical acclaim it got at the time. But yeah, a
1: Pulitzer Pul- Prize-nominated uh, play, yeah. by the way, from yeah. 1990, yeah.
0: So, yeah, not on my list, obviously, because I haven't seen it, so I, uh, but I... Obviously, we'll n- not fault you at all for having that on your list. So you want to talk about a completely opposite movie from Six Degrees of Separation. Number four for me is Jurassic Park. Oh, the man. It's good entertainment. Yeah, sure. The the bottom line for this movie, again, maybe we had slightly different criteria if yours was more acting and mine was more entertainment. we I just said favorite when I gave Ali this assignment. But this movie is entertaining. And the fact that it came out 30 years ago and you watch it now and you're like, oh my gosh, these special effects still hold up. The suspense still holds up. A lot of the things, you know, when the T-Rex is coming towards them and they have the cup of water and those concentric ripples that come out from the water, which is like, that was the first, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, of yeah, camera. of course. Yeah. Like this is, these things which are tropes now, they started in this. Like it is, uh, it was, it's great. It's a lot of fun. One of Steven Spielberg's best movies.
1: Okay. I like what you're saying. I can mm-hmm. get behind all that. My number three is The Fugitive. I thought it was a very like entertaining movie, without a doubt. The story is great. It's based on a, a book called The Fugitive by Roy Huggins. Harrison Ford, Tommy Lee Jones, Cee La Ward, Joe pentaleono Amazing cast. Great story. I really... Spoiler alert. If nobody's seen it at the end, if... if like when he jumps, I remember my heart jumping at the same mm-hmm. time. Like, cause mm-hmm. he, he, they really played it to the point where like he has nothing to live for anymore. Mm-hmm. And you felt for the situation that he was in, he was this like prominent vascular surgeon who was being gaslit the entire time. And, uh, he's falsely accused of murder and he's on the run. And <laughs> what does a vascular surgeon know about being on the run? But he's just a little bit, I don't know. It was, God. it's so well done. I'll watch the fugitive
0: tonight. I'll show you, Oscar. Listen, it's, guess what? Number three for me as well. Unbelievable. So, Why am I trying to convince you? Uh, you're not. Everything you say is great. This was really, you know, Tommy Lee Jones won the Oscar for this. It was really, even though he had, was well into his career, this was the breakout performance for Tommy yeah. Lee Jones. And, you know, that's kind of rose into the next level. He leveled up, as we say, in the video game parlance. So, it, <laughs> By it, the it, way,
1: I, some interesting trivia on this. Like, this was going to be such an amazing movie because- I guess the book was it was like a slam dunk. They were auditioning Alec Baldwin, Nick Nolte, and Kevin Costner, and Michael Douglas for the role of Dr. Richard Kimball. and for um for Tommy Lee Jones's character, Sam Gerard, Gene Hackman and John Voigt were both being considered for the role. So I mean, this was going to be just a massive massive movie, no, no matter who was in the uh, who was at the helm of it. But I like what they did. I thought, yeah, Harrison I think, Ford by the was way, so
0: great. I think you mean the TV series. No, I do mean the himself.
1: TV series. The TV series predates my knowledge of television, 1963 to 67. You know, the Harrison Fords of the world would have probably known about The Fugitive. I don't know it.
0: Yeah, at all. well, of course, the first 90 episodes of the show were in black and white, and the last 30 were in color. Hey, so, hey, that's... I don't see
1: color, Asif, oh, unlike God. some people. Okay, all right. So that's good. Number so that... three, we yeah, match. Okay. We definitely don't have the same two and one, I'll tell you that much, because I've already. Yes. Let's see. I know things about you. Number two. My number two is true romance. Mm -hmm. And when you mention true romance, the fact that you did not mention. One of the greatest, also in my opinion, breakout role, even though he'd been acting for years, is Drexel, buddy. Gary Oldman. Oh, yeah. He's phenomenal, man. How could you not mention Gary Oldman? He was like a, such a standout.
0: And Christopher Walken, too.
1: Yeah, Walken, Samuel Jackson, Dennis Hopper. It's like insane. And Brad Pitt also. Mm-hmm. He was just this stoned roommate on the couch. I don't even know if he got off the couch for the entire film. <laughs> he was great. Bronson show was also. Huh? Mm-hmm. Valky Bortakumas, Michael Rappaport, it's really quite an insane, James Gandolfini, Tom Sizemore, it's an insane cast, it's so good, I'll watch True Romance tonight too, and I i really like Patricia Arquette, I like all the Arquettes, uh, David Arquette I could do without, but i uh, they the, the camera loves the Arquettes, they're just so good there's such i mean i don't want to say natural actors it makes me makes me feel like i don't appreciate the work that they do that goes into what they do but they're ah they're
0: so good well listen i can't disagree because it was on my list earlier on my number two is schindler's list listen okay there's not a lot to say about this movie other than i think it's one of if not steven spielberg's greatest movies i think i put this et raiders of the lost ark all together it's hard you know to pick. they're such different movies he was also uh, the he so spielberg is operating at the height of his filmmaking powers at this time and he just makes a superb film absolutely amazing i don't think there's anything else to say
1: there is one other thing to say my number one is rudy and it's not your number one because you've never seen it but this that's was that's correct. That's correct. Sean Austin. I think Sean had done work before. I didn't know who Sean Austin was previously. You have Charles S. Dutton and Ned Beatty doing fantastic things. Veteran actors at the time already. I'm sure there was two guys with supporting roles who were. This was their first film roles. Both of them who went on to be powerhouses in Hollywood. Do you know who those two people
0: were? I don't know.
1: John Favreau and Vince Vaughn, buddy, come on!
0: What I had
1: no yeah. idea because the script uh, was written by Angelo Pizzo, who also created Hoosiers. It's like a, oh, yeah. it's just like one of the best sports movies of all time. Depending on who you talk to, it's the best. It's it's everybody's top ten if they've seen it. University of Notre Dame, just like you don't even really need to like sports to like it. They do touch on uh, racism as well. They touch on privilege and class, and I, I just felt like it was a really well done movie. It, it was uh, it was released at TIFF. Do you know that Toronto International Film Festival in nineteen ninety three? Yeah, it, that's the type of movie it is. Rudy suffers from dyslexia as well. Like it had these different elements to it that really I think elevated this movie to something better than your average sports movie. And, uh, including the, the mockery that Rudy gets from his own brother and stuff like this. So I don't know. It's to be seen Asif and you should be ashamed of yourself.
0: I know again, another movie my wife loves that I've never seen. Also, I haven't seen Hoosiers either, but oh. that, that's another Good Lord. story for another day. I think we better move on to my number one. Mm-hmm. So wasn't on all these lists and he didn't mention it at all. It's what's eating Gilbert grape. I think Ali could probably tell when I was saying that, that that would be a type of movie that would be my number one. Yeah.
1: I have not seen it.
0: Okay. Interesting. So this is uh, directed by Lassie Hellstrom who did Chocolat and a couple other movies that you'd be more familiar with later on. But this was one of his big breakthroughs in North America. This is Johnny Depp as the main character and Gilbert, uh, And his brother is played by Leonardo DiCaprio, who plays an autistic person in the movie. DiCaprio got an Academy Award nomination for this. He's amazing in it. Excellent. Again, you see this, and you're like, this guy was in growing pains as, like, the runaway street kid who joins the Siever family. I couldn't believe it. And the plot is Gilbert Grape is a stoic guy who's just trying to help his family. His mother suffers from morbid obesity, so she can't take care of her children, so he has to... uh, Take care of his kids, but it's not like he's abused or anything. His mother is a, is a kind person. And it's just about what happens in his life. And I don't know, it just really spoke to me when I saw this 30 years ago. Absolutely love this movie. The performances are amazing. Uh, you've also got Mary Steenberg and Juliet Lewis. John C. Riley's in it. So it's definitely a recommendation if you've never seen this before. And again, I was moving my list around. I'm just like, this is the one that resonated with me back then and still to this day. So. That's it. Well,
1: I'll tell you something embarrassing at the risk of getting mocked. I thought for years I had seen this movie and then I was like, wait a minute, Robin Williams is not in this movie. What the hell is this? And I look it up and I was like, oh my God. I was mixing What's Eating, that's the movie, right? What's Eating Gilbert Grape? I was mixing up? it up with The World According to Garp. The Grape and the Garp messed me up for, I'm talking like 15 years, I maybe even more. I thought I saw this movie forever, and only in the last decade did somebody say, yeah, Johnny Depp. So I'm like, Johnny Depp's not in what's he? And they're like, yeah, he's Gilbert Grape. I'm like, whatever. And then I looked it up. I was like, oh, I'm so stupid. Anyway, so maybe there's some dyslexia in my world, Garp and Gray. So
0: maybe. I mean, this is a very interesting list. Some of them, we had the exact same position for several of them. We have a lot of duplication on our list. Probably half of our lists are the same. But then we have other movies which neither of us has seen that are on each other's list. It's such an interesting thing. So hopefully you guys found this interesting and some suggestions for future movies.
1: All right, so we're going to talk about anosmia at this point, which, man, it's so... Because it looks a little like the word insomnia. It sounds a little bit like the word nausea. And 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 odds are most people don't know what it is. Most people haven't heard about it. I know about anosmia. Am I pronouncing it correctly for a yeah. yeah. I know about it because of my friend, Chef Joshina Marhaj. So the most interesting thing is the fact that I just called her Chef Joshana Marhaj because... You know, as a chef, you often eat with your eyes and nose first before you actually taste anything. And Joshana herself, I think, didn't know for a little while, then found out and kept this to herself. I mean, as a chef, this was a dark secret that she had. She didn't want to tell other people. She felt like she might be, and she's probably right. She might have been sort of discredited out of the gate. Uh-huh. people saying oh what kind of chef can't smell their food and this kind of stuff. So she finally I think it was a year or two ago started talking about it publicly and that's why I've I've known about the subject for a bit and I wanted to talk about this it's particularly cruel when somebody who's who's living is, you know, in 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 the world of food has this but I can imagine just for people in general anosmia is a is is a significant issue. I have a extremely sensitive nose. I get like, I don't really get headaches often, but a smell can give me a headache, a a strong smell of some kind, strong scents, you know, even bad smell or just way too floral or chemical. Somebody uses too much like laundry detergent right away into my nose, up to my head. So, I don't know, it's a particularly interesting subject to me. And I was wondering how common this is and what can be the result of it. Can it be result, you know, from an accident or just something you're born Mm -hmm, with? mm -hmm. And so I put all this to you, Dr. Asif Doja. First of all, have you ever seen it in young kids? Is it something you come across with young people?
0: Good question. Not really. I mean, obviously we saw it with COVID. So that's one of the things we'll get to in a second. But I remember when I was in residency, I saw someone who had fallen and hit their head. And I'll talk a bit about why you developed that. So they were okay, except that they lost their ability to smell. And we'll talk a bit about Long that. term? It, well, I, I saw them in the acute phase, uh, only a few days in hospital. So I'm not sure what happened over time. But they will like, hold up an orange in their nose, like, I can't smell this. So And I will link to an article from Chatelaine Magazine uh, about Joshna. And so people can read about her experience with this. Right, You're a friend. So let's backtrack a bit though, Ali. Let's talk about how smell works. And you know how people say it's intertwined with taste, right? We should really get that clear. So, smell and taste are both what are called chemosensation. Okay. Yeah. 95 to 99% of chemosensation is smell, and the small remainder is taste. So, really, most of this majority is coming from. From smell. So, what happens is we have these specialized sensory cells. These are called the olfactory sensory neurons. So, the olfactory system is our sense of smell. They're part of cranial nerve one, which is our olfactory nerve. And they're found in a small patch of tissue that's very high in the nose and they connect directly backwards to the brain. And so, these nerves, the way they travel, they can be uh, affected by sheer injury. So that woman I was telling you about who fell and and hit her head, the kind of like sheer stress of the brain kind of moving back and forth, this was a pretty severe head injury, just sheared her olfactory nerves. And so she was unable to smell. So what? But what happens in normally is that you have, uh, each of these olfactory neurons has one odor receptor. So microscopic molecules are released by substance around us, and then they stimulate these receptors. And then they send a message to your brain, and then you identify the smell. Now, obviously you can think about it's not just one smell per receptor. It could be a combination of different smells combining together and your brain integrates them, creating a unique representation in your brain. And that's how what we call a specific smell. Now, to reach the these neurons, you can go through two pathways. One is through your nostrils, but there's also a pathway that connects the roof of your throat to your nose, okay? And that's another way. So you can see the most common reason why you would have anosmia the lack of ability to smell is if your nose is stuffed up with a cold or flu, right? That's when you're eating. So we're not talking about COVID, which we think actually damages those those neurons. We're just talking about... You're stuffed up, so that's why you can't smell anything, and that why that's why when you're sick, uh, the food doesn't taste that good, right? And then when you get better, oh, I can I can taste again.
1: I actually wanted to add something here that I think will be of interest to you, especially Asif, mm-hmm. if not our our listeners as well. Do you know who Jay Kenzie Lopez Alt is? Do you know that name? No. Well, then I am embarrassed to know you because Jay Kenzie. No, I just said Kenzie. J. Kenji Lopez-Alt, I just said Kenji by mistakes. Now I'm embarrassed to know myself. Look up Lopez-Alt, Lopez-Alt, that's his last name. He is a chef, culinary uh, journalist. He was a culinary director for magazines and this guy. Kind of so he's, he's also very much like a food researcher and food purist. I follow him on Instagram. He was talking the other day about this idea of the nose and how it gets overloaded. Mm-hmm. And so, what happens is, when it comes to cooking is that often people who are cooking their, their 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 olfactory senses get overloaded so soon so quickly that they can no longer really smell with any reliability or or, or any sensibility what what they're cooking as much. Well. So you walk into somebody's house who's cooking and you go, Oh my God, it really smells in here, but they can't smell it at all. And he said Mm. often uh, that's why people say, Oh, certain dishes taste much better the next day. He goes, that especially applies to the people who've been doing the cooking Mm, because you come at it with a fresh nose. So the nose is very capable of being overloaded, which, which, which goes very interesting. I never thought of it.
0: Yeah. That's why, you know, food always tastes better when someone else makes it, right? Like, don't you Yeah. yeah so, well, yes. Not if it's me and Ali. If I'm cooking something for him, I'm not going to taste that good. No, we've agreed good. that there's but, yeah. no need for you to... That's eat right. It. But yeah, so let's talk a bit about that. So, you know, there's taste. I think we all know about taste. There's salty, sweet, sour, bitter, and of course... The newest one, savory or umami, and so those are the tastes, and if you don't have your sense of smell, you can still differentiate these things. So that's why your taste isn't completely lost when you have loss of sense of smell, but obviously it's it's a huge amount, as we had talked about before. And so to have flavor, flavor is this combination of taste and this olfaction or or smelling so and that's the flavor disappears with smell loss right because you can only rely on the taste and you don't have that so that's one way of thinking about it now the problem is there's a bunch of different words so let's see if we can go through some of these definitions so anosmia we talked about complete absence of sense of smell hyposmia reduced sense of smell Parosmia, which is probably the most important next one we're going to talk about, is a distorted sense of smell. And you can also have phantosmia when you experience smells that aren't there. And cacosmia. Did someone fart? Did you fart? Who farted? And nobody actually farted. Cacosmia is is this foul smell. And I actually get phantosmia sometimes when I sneeze. It's very interesting. Oh,
1: what do you smell? Is it something different every time?
0: It's usually, it's not something good. It's usually something foul, like some sort of foul odor or something. Nobody
1: like that. else smells it. It's absolutely No, no, no it's totally because, yeah. so
0: I, I'm assuming I'm just activating my, because it's the nose. You're just oh, activating these receptors uh, and these neurons. But
1: is it, is it that you're smelling the inside of your own nose? Is that no, what's happening? No, no, no,
0: no. but we'll talk a bit about that because that's sometimes the issue.
1: Okay, so what was that, five or six different types of loss of
0: smell? More like terms for okay, different, okay, these... different types of smell abnormalities. How about that?
1: Got it. And I imagine there's not one cause for no. each of these things. Do we know what the cause is for any of them? Uh, you say sometimes a what I mean, a knock on the head is not a medical term, but like a, a brain injury of some kind can yeah, be, yeah, 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 the yeah, reason. for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, the most common is you have a cold, right? Nasal congestion, mucus
1: that's very temporary, then, in that yeah,
0: for area. sure, or it could be like allergies right? Or, or what we'll call nasal polyps. Those can it, kind of cause dysfunction there. And then the viral infection, COVID, we can talk about that in a second. Some people say cocaine or other drugs that you inhale through your nose could cause it. Smoking. And rarely there can be brain conditions like a brain tumor or Alzheimer's or Parkinson's. But the first and,
1: four uh, or five things you mentioned there would result in temporary.
0: Exactly.
1: Which exactly. That's not really anosmia, is it? Or do, you, do we still call it anosmia?
0: You still call it because it just means loss of smell. But you're right. I think if it's permanent or progressive or not getting better, that's completely different. And then you'd be concerned about something more more permanent. So I, I I think we'll see patients for this and obviously if it's been going on for a while and maybe there's no history of infection and their nose exam is normal, I would suggest doing an MRI scan. I'm kind of jumping to the uh, testing, but yeah, sometimes you do suggest that, right? And of course, and if they don't have a history of trauma, like hitting their head, like we talked about with that example, then then for sure you need to investigate for something that could be more serious.
1: So what is that, like you said, you were going to talk about the COVID connection to uh, loss of smell. Did that result in anything permanent with people? Or was that more as long as they had COVID? I feel like some people had it for much longer. Yeah, exactly. The COVID had gone away, but they still didn't get their taste exactly. and smell back.
0: Exactly. So it depends on which study you read, but probably 30 to 80% of all people who have COVID-19 will report a loss of smell. I never lost my smell. I've had COVID once, I think. Yeah. that's not everybody. And what typically happens is, it's like what you said, You'll have a case of COVID, you'll lose your smell and taste is more of this to sense flavor for usually about four weeks and then it recovers. But then a short time after that, you develop this parosmia, which is this unusual smells and sometimes they're very foul smells, right? And that actually can last longer for people. How many people develop that? It's a bit unclear. They say up to 10%, but I think those samples may be a bit biased, right? It's people who are logging onto websites or responding to surveys, right? So I'm not sure if that's too high or too low, but I'm not quite sure about that number. I've seen that reported. So what happens is you have these smells. So you feel that raw chicken smells off, you know, in quotation marks, or that you smell cigarettes in the house, but nobody smokes in your house. and then. As time goes on, more and more foods or toiletry items like perfume give a similar rancid odor. And then some people, they get so bad they can't bear the smell of food and their diet becomes restricted and it leads to weight loss. And there's even been reports of people with depression and anxiety because of this, you know, repulsion to food. So it can be pretty severe if that's what happens
1: that's interesting i mean Joshina, who i mentioned the inspiration to talk about all this started feeling really like lonely and isolated because of the opposite missing her sense of smell Mm -hmm. made her feel like she's not chestnuts are being roasted thanksgiving turkeys coming out and she's like i can't join in anybody else's joy on any of this stuff so it's very interesting on on both ends of the spectrum
0: yeah and i think you could imagine like not having smell would be bad but this Foul smell would be really bad. So it's interesting. You read some of these articles where they talk, people try and describe it. They're like, some people say, I've never smelt this before. So I actually don't even know how to describe it. Like it's just a smell. So another person said, everything smelled and tasted like raw sewage and trying to eat made me vomit. And then another person said, my word for it is funky. But that's actually not what it is, but that's the only word they can think of, but it's like much, much worse than that. You
1: know what? And you're talking about something that I'd love to do a further episode on, digging a little bit deeper in this world, because there are people who smell and taste cilantro and taste sewage. Soap, more common, but I've also heard sewage. So it it ignites something. So Asif, uh, start researching that as well.
0: Will do. Yeah. So... In terms of what happens to these patients with the COVID nineteen parosmia, they, you know, like I said, they'll often have COVID, lose their smell, it gets better, and then they may have a period of like a couple of months where everything is fine, and then they develop it's very strange, but a lot of people recover from it though, which is good. But it can, and this is mainly for people who didn't have COVID because we have lo- older studies looking at that. It can take months or years to recover. So, you know, it's, um, and no one really knows what causes that, but it's, uh, it can be very debilitating to people.
1: Testing seems like it would be pretty basic in the sense that you, I guess, offer a bunch of things that smell a certain way and see if people can pick up on those smells. Is it?
0: Yeah. So it's very, like, that's a good screen for it. So when I had to write my neurology exams, you have to test all the cranial nerves. There's 12 cranial nerves. And the first one is the olfactory nerve, which is smell. So I would actually have like a uh, little uh, container which had coffee in it or or, or cinnamon or something like that. So you'd have people smell these to see if they could identify Mm. the smell. I never use that practically, but everybody knows you only bring that for your exam because that's the, that's the only time you're ever going to be tested on. But so you can do that. You could test that with someone's in the clinic, you can, you can find that, or an easy one is alcohol or, or, or cleaning solution, right? That, that smells strongly, but usually we'll have that in the clinic. But it's also important to like, think about what could be going on that might also prompt you to do more tests. So for example, if you had seizures as well and you smell something beforehand, again, we've talked about this before on our podcast. There's a famous commercial in Canada that commemorates a famous neurosurgeon, Penfield, in Montreal. And the lady who has these seizures, the first thing she does is she says, I smell burnt toast. Right? And so that could be the beginning of her seizure. So obviously if you have seizures with this uh, smell abnormality, then you'd you'd want to be investigated for seizures. If you have a smell abnormality like we've talked about before, but you also have like a severe headache and you're getting worse and worse over time, you know, that could be a brain tumor. So then maybe you need an MRI for that. If you have this foul smell in your nose but other people can smell it, then it's probably something maybe a dental disease or something you know in your nose that you need to right because other people shouldn't be able to smell it if if it's if it's just in your head. same thing if a child complains of this and has nasal discharge, a common thing is they have something stuck up their nose, right, so then you have to see it an, smells uh, like blueberry, I, yeah Man, I wonder why. <laughs> And uh, so, so these these are these are some of the things that you want to think about. and Then you maybe you'll do tests because of that. Like I said, if I was seeing someone as a neurologist who had an osmia or another one of these things, I would probably do an MRI. But every time I've done that for somebody, it's been normal. So then you just say, "Well, I don't know why you have this."
1: So I don't know why. Classic. What about treating it? What do you What do you do for uh, for treatment? And
0: well, there's a website that actually Joshna mentioned several times. I've seen some blog posts from her and in some of these articles she's been interviewed, and it's called absent.org abscent Okay, right? get it yeah yeah Absent, yeah yeah right? and so they have some um, some tips and then they have this olfactory training technique so the training technique is they g- basically give you certain smells that you try and smell over time and slowly people can kind of get some of their smell back they find there's not a lot of studies on this technique but uh, the absentee i mean it's it's a non-profit organization right so they just try to help people who've had this loss of smell so you can go to their website and see about uh this this technique but they have some practical tips. So you want to know your trigger foods and quote unquote, safe foods, and then uh, you need to put a list on the fridge to remind your family members what need to avoid to avoid you feeling sick. They say room temperature or cold food gives off less odor. So maybe you want to have like you know a cold sandwich as opposed to cooking something uh, at, at the beginning. Be aware that some days can be worse than others, so things fluctuate. Uh, if you can't keep anything down, you really do need to see a dietitian to try to help you. And maybe you're just keeping a diary for yourself to see what other provoking factors, you know, what aren't. Um, and some people have said that if you just push your way through, the, you, the food smells disgusting, and you just push your way through... Um, Maybe that helps, but some people find that causes so much nausea that you can't do it. so and and they also want people to be aware that sometimes you can it takes up to two years to recover. So you shouldn't feel discouraged about that. So it's nice, I think, to know that there are other people suffering from this uh, and that there are kind of ways to manage it
1: all right, okay, so link up the, uh, the that that Chadelaine article definitely, and you can also look up. Uh, Joshina online on Instagram. She's a, she's a food activist, uh, as well as a, a, a chef. And, uh, I believe she's living in Mexico right now, taking a break from Toronto. And, uh, I can, I can imagine a lot of people are, are are quite jealous of that, but yeah, I'll see if you put those links up there and those of you who have a sense of smell, uh, use it or lose it. No, that's not true. That doesn't apply. Use it and enjoy it, is what I'm going to say. Don't take it for granted.
0: That's our episode for today. Let us know what you guys thought about our favorite movies of 1993. Again, some similarities, some differences. Very curious of what other people think. Maybe you like Remains of the Day. I don't know. Maybe you like that. Reach out to us, DrVComedian at gmail.com. Comedian on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We are everywhere. Ali, what do you got going on for the month of December?
1: I think I've told you this before. My greatest thrill in life is that uh, I don't do corporate uh, Christmas gigs anymore. And uh, that makes me very happy. It means that I can make enough money and make a living uh, 11 months of the year that in the 12th month, I don't have to do stuff that I really don't want to do your corporate Christmas parties. I'm sorry, folks. They stink for comedians. They just stink. It's just not fun. Do it for money, but I, I like to do things that I enjoy. So I'm relaxing, but I am going to Costa Rica.
0: Exciting. Be nice. Very exciting. Yes. You've been,
1: you've I've been, you Love me that some,
0: country. Some great tips. people, yeah. great food, so much to see there. Really, you're going to have a great time. You have to report back to us after that.
1: I will. And besides that, hopefully I'll be able to do some sit-ups and uh, maybe burn some calories because that's going to be quite important this month.
0: But remember that although I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. Medical issues, we talk about it for your interest and information only, and they're not medical advice. Please consult your medical professionals for actual medical advice. Thanks for listening. Vatos locos forever. Bye.